0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: When we made our McDonald's spicy chicken McNuggets, you were praise hands emoji. Then we ran out, and you were streaming tears emoji. Now they're back, so you can be grinning face with sweat emoji. Order ahead on the McDonald's app. Break out the party hat emoji, because a six-piece spicy chicken McNuggets is just $2.50. And if that's not enough, try
0: a spicy McCrispie or a spicy deluxe McCrispie. And if that's not enough, there's always the sauce. Price and participation may vary.
2: This week, regional qualifier Chimit joins us as we discuss the controversial decision of the self-proclaimed best-in-the-world Kurt at the E-Club World Cup. Foot Tactician gives his verdict on whether Kurt's kickoff goal-induced real-life rage quit was actually just papering over defensive cracks. Plus, a returning foot economist gives his thoughts on how to take advantage of a volatile World Cup market. I'm your host, Ben, and you'll find all that and more on this week's Foot Weekly Podcast, hosted by FootEd and all your usual podcast platforms. Why am I stopping so much in the middle of my sentences? Let's just get on with it. Hello and welcome to week 35 of the Foot Weekly podcast... This week, we've got a real diverse mix of yes for you. Uh, we've got the classic foot economist joining us today. Hello, Jamie. How are you? Hello, hello. Good to hear a very familiar voice, which we haven't heard for a few weeks, actually. It's been a busy end of the term, or whatever you call it, semester. Sort of yes. Like that, right. But good. I mean, you know, as our two nations are now united with a Royal Wedding, I'm sure we can re- resolve <laughs> these differences.
3: Yeah. I'm assuming you didn't catch the Royal Wedding. Uh, I, I, I didn't catch it, um, but a lot of uh, my acquaintances did, and uh, I, I got the backstory from them, so... I ah, mean, as good okay. as watched it.
2: Yeah, I have to say, I don't think, because they would have to wake working up pretty early to, to catch the Royal Wedding in the US.
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it was airing at 6.30 here in the morning. Considering I was not
2: really doing anything in the middle of the day on Saturday, but still chose not to watch the Royal Wedding. <laughs> 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 a pretty good indictment of what it's like. A man who is also in the UK, but probably didn't catch the Royal Wedding either, is Foot Tactician. Steve, how are you doing?
0: I'm good. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, excited to be here. Exciting times for FIFA Ultimate Team at the weekend. Uh, looking forward to getting into discussions about all kinds of things
2: yeah and and in fact the first thing to of course ask talking of all kinds of things uh, what everyone will want to know is how are the chickens
0: the chickens are fine Um, I was just outside in the garden a few moments ago getting towards the bedtime Um, so I'll probably have to go and tuck them in at some point in the not too distant future
2: bless And our final guest uh, is a brand new guest for the podcast. It is Chime. And Chime is a top 100 player. And he's finished 40 and 0 uh, and he was a regional finalist as well. So Chimmy, a warm welcome. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it.
2: Great. And uh, I think we're going to start off with something that uh, you should feel fairly comfortable talking about being a pro player, something you'll, I'm sure, have an opinion on, um, which was what we saw at the, what is the Club World Cup, Club E World Cup over the weekend. It was maybe the second last day of action and we saw Kurt face one of the previous winners of the competition, actually, Bromby, and Kurt playing for MK... uh, I don't know how to say the name, maybe Makers or something. Kurt's partner on, I think, playing on PlayStation didn't maybe quite do Kurt any favours, put him in a position where he was a couple of goals down going into his leg. Basically, what it came down to is three kickoff goals against Kurt and another long shot goal meant that He basically just dropped the controller and walked away from the console. It's something that we haven't really seen before in the pro scene. Someone sort of getting that frustrated that they walk away. And so from your pro perspective... Would you consider sort of walking away in the middle of a... You know, you, you've you won the opportunity to, to appear at this event. Would you consider walking off when, you know, the deficit wasn't huge? Was, I mean, it was huge. It was big, but it wasn't completely insurmountable. Would you, you know, you know walk away at 70 minutes and, and just drop
1: the game? Personally, I wouldn't because I, I believe this game anyone can come back, so I would have kept trying, but it was really frustrating because he really did outplay his opponent, I think, but... um. The game just didn't go his way and he ended up conceding some goals and that can be really frustrating as a player, whether you're playing at a live competition, a pro friend or a gold one player, whichever one it is, it can be really annoying.
2: Yeah. And, and did you feel like the goals that he conceded, you know, there was justification for being annoyed? I felt there were things he could do in all of those instances that could have avoided conceding that
1: Well, goal. depending on the situation, for his, it was kind of unique because... Like I said, he was outplaying his player, uh, his opponent, but didn't get the goal. So that mm-hmm. I think led to the frustration more than the kickoff goals. Because if you notice, he would have chance after chance, reaction after reaction. And then once he couldn't break his opponent down and then he gets a goal finally and his opponent comes straight from kickoff, like that, that is really, really annoying, especially at the pro level. So I think it was more of the frustration of the lack of consistency in the game rather than just because, Oh, he was conceding kickoff goals.
2: Mm. Pretty good time to, I guess, talking about that, move on to Steve for t- tactician. We have, uh, well, we exchanged messages about this, um, having had a look at the clips and we're actually kind of questioning whether he had that much cause to be frustrated with the goals. Cause a lot of them did feel like defensive errors.
0: Yeah. Um, my view is very much that Kurt is his own worst enemy in a lot of ways. Um, Totally appreciate what Jimmy's saying there about the frustration and what have you, and not having won a title. I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself by proclaiming himself as being the best player in the world. You know, nobody else says that. Mm. Um, he hasn't got the the titles to to back that up, and I think he's maybe maybe it comes from the fact that he's beginning to realise that he's not actually the best player in the world. Mm. Um, I, I agree with Jimmy that he, he played really well in that game, but. As you say, we exchanged messages looking in details at the goals that he did concede, and there were undoubtedly errors there. Um, the the first so-called kick-off glitch, um, the goal that he conceded, I would argue that he, he controlled his his CDM for far too long, and he was he was a hostage to Fortune in terms of just leaving a lot of the defending up to the AI in the first place. Well, if he'd been more proactive and taken control of his centre-back at an earlier stage... I'm not convinced that he would have ended up conceding that goal and nobody would have been talking about a kickoff glitch. And in the second goal, um, it was a great goal by his opponent. Um, some great dribbling in the box. Uh, Kurt was trying to read and react what he was doing and, and move his centre back accordingly. Um, he did actually take responsibility and took it out of the AI's hands on that occasion. And he was just found wanting. He just wasn't good enough to, to match his opponent on that occasion. Yeah, I um, mean, it's
2: an interesting point there because... Well, actually, first of all, I should say that these clips, you're probably wanting to see these goals if you haven't already to kind of understand what we're talking about. If you go to Foothead's Twitter uh, page, search Foothead Twitter, um, and it'll come up. And on the tweet that they've put out about this podcast, you'll find links to each of the goals. And I'll probably put some kind of identifier. I think this one's the third kickoff goal. And it was also sort of the one where he was dribbled in, in the box. So I guess I might put that as well. So look out for those. And basically, I think with this one, what he does wrong is that he doesn't... First of all, he probably should, as you saying, control the player who's closest to the ball carrier. But also, what he does is he uses a R1 contain or RB contain to press the player and then suddenly at one point he switches to the player um, maybe realizing he's made a mistake and that means that the player just kind of stops dead and basically because he doesn't have ai move assistance on which may be a sensible decision for him and that means that the direction the ai is traveling to cover the player just is cancelled basically and, and that opens up a bit of space for his opponent to then take the shot but Jimmy, what, what are your thoughts on this
1: the problem i see with that is this year uh attackers are a lot more fluid than defensive players so you couldn't be doing that with the best of uh, centre-backs, maybe Ramos or Ferdinand, and you could e- easily jockey to the left, and if your opponent just turns to the right with Timo Ronaldo, like, you're wide open. I I can see why he defends like that, but personally, I have a problem with people that defend like that, because it's-, it's a viable method, you're but You're kind of leaving
2: it up to chance a little bit, aren't you? I
1: yeah, yeah, it's just, it's too passive. You're a hostage to fortune. Yeah, it's too passive for me, personally, like... With the clips I've sent to Steve, like, I like to be aggressive to the ball carrier, and one thing I've noticed about Kurt's defending, while it works for him, it's just, it lets the opponent do what they want, and you're pretty much hoping that the AR is good enough to get the ball from the striker, and if you're playing a good uh, dribbling player like FIFA Usten, I think is his name, like, you can't suffer a lot Mm. of chances because of that.
3: Yeah, I mean, one thing I always wonder as as sort of like a layman in situations like this is what actually happens on the kickoff that makes it so uh, that there just seems to be such a high propensity of goals that's scored off of them. And like maybe you guys, you know, you guys can chime in, you know, as as people that really study the the game, the gameplay. Um, But to me, like it, it always seems to be that the players react just a little bit slower, maybe are a little bit like slower once you like switch to them. Their first step is just a little bit slower. And, and, like, a couple things that I sort of, like, wonder and, and, like, take away before you guys chime in on that is, one, I think it was really, I think it was inappropriate for him to walk away from, from the, like, the game. Yeah, you know, and sort of, sort of like throw it down. I always wondered what it would look like to have like a in real life rage quit. So I guess in that way, and I guess got well, that we got.
2: Although he uh, did actually reconnect
3: um, to the opponent, which is not a feature that
2: EA have uh, introduced yet when he came back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a future request. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think you know, at this stage, I think they they you know whether they like it or not, it should be held to a higher standard. Um, you know, I I, th- I think personally that kickoff glitches, uh, so to speak, are. Um, you know, sort of like RNG aspects of the game, uh, and, and kind of come with the territory when you're when you're playing a game like FIFA, which has a lot of RNG aspects. Uh, you can sort of liken it to well, you know, you you get kickoffed as well. <laughs> um, so it's really just you know a matter of you you're both playing the same game, if you will. So it's it's sort of up to you, in my mind, to take advantage of it and you know realize that hey, you know, kickoffs are a real time where you know maybe as you guys are gonna tell me that players react more slowly and this is how exactly how you have to take advantage of it and and this is how you have to defend against it and maybe some of that's that's mental or whatever but yeah i'm sort of no, rambling no, no. i guess i guess my question to you guys is is there a is is what is it that about kickoffs that are you know remarkably different about just well, i defending?
2: wanted to just start actually because you kind of made two points that one was about sort of the ethics of Kirk quitting which i think we'll come on to uh, in a bit um, but you did mention about you know, maybe this is just part of the game that people need to be learning about and learning how to either exploit or defend against. And I think that was what um, Spencer Owen's point was. He was hosting the show and, and he's got a lot of stick on Twitter of kind of saying this, but if you are a play, pro player, you should be aware of this and you should be trying
0: yeah. your best to avoid the situation. I've, I've got a slightly different take on this in the sense that I think that the kickoff glitch and what Jamie's just described, um, it was certainly a problem pre-patch before it was actually patched. Um, there was a problem with player reactions. Uh, the back four tended to drop deep. Um, and there were issues which, which did appear to be resolved. I think one of the, the residual effects of that is that it's kind of got into a lot of players' heads. Um, mm. I think that. Mental. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that they tend to get more triggered, and if they do happen to concede a goal from kickoff. It's like, oh, wow, it's a kickoff glitch. Um, And they become a little bit almost intimidated by the the idea of even facing a kickoff. Um, And it affects the way that they defend.
2: Um. So I think one of the things that I really noticed in that game, I didn't watch the tournament at all, really, but I caught the whole of that game. And um, I could tell from the start that Kurt was already kind of triggered i don't know what it was maybe it was going down with a couple of goals down um or just some luck he'd had earlier in the tournament but he wasn't happy from basically kickoff and that just was exacerbating exacerbated and he's someone who kind of tells himself he's the best player in the world whether he actually believes that i don't know but he certainly tries to kind of boost his confidence and, and and also has this kind of huge sense of injustice constantly maybe partly born out of the fact that he wasn't allowed to compete last year because of his nationality which is um another reason why i don't know maybe he feels disenfranchised in some way but the whole situation was boiling up to that point and you could kind of see it and even the commentators were making reference to the fact that he was getting very frustrated by the whole situation and we've all had it in games where things start to go against you and you just kind of can't really deal with that in some way and you're just not in the right kind of mental state and I think the kind of heightened anxiety meant he made mistakes and on defense on kickoff. And he was Joanna just constantly thinking, like, I'm am I'm I'm gonna get done by the kickoff glitch. I'm gonna get done by the kickoff glitch. You can tell by the way he defends, I think. I don't know, Jimmy, I'll ask you in a second, but it just felt like he was kind of Passive. Passive, yeah. What what do you think about that, Jimmy?
1: Well, the thing with defending in general in this game is I feel like you're always anxious. Cause for me personally, that's why I stopped playing league. because regardless of the type of opener you're playing, you're always Anxious to the fact that you could concede whether it's your fact, your um, your fault or not. Because for me, one thing I noticed is, because I'm an aggressive defender, the more I read the pass as opposed to attacking the player, the more I have a better chance of conceding. So for Kurt, it's like, okay, it's kickoff, let me try and, you know, hold this. Because um, I believe he was 3-3 at the time and needed the go back. So he was just trying to make sure at all costs that he didn't concede off kickoff and... He's second man pressing when the opponent's inside the box, and the AI just doesn't do anything. And there are instances where I've tried to cover passing lanes for a kickoff glitch, and it's just like, your player's right there and the ball goes right through, and chances like that you can't really do anything about it.
3: But you're sort of describing that it's it's almost like a like a gamble. Yeah, time yeah, defend, pretty especially much. Especially when you're coming against a good player. Sort of like that. You no matter what you do, if if they if you don't guess the right direction, for example, of of the direction that they're going to turn, especially against a good dribbler like that. Like when, when I saw on that last goal was when when he was twisting and turning with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and this is something that I've you know tried to pick up in my play. Obviously, not to the same extent, but I found that if I'm dribbling sort of away from a player and just turning back and forth left and right, especially with like elite player like. Uh, you know, Team of the Seasons Son, who has five-star weak foot, or someone like Lozano, who has just broken animations in the game. It really is just a gamble for the for the defender at that point. If they're gonna like guess the direction, I'm gonna yeah, a it's, turn. It's, Jamie, it's it is 50, a gamble,
0: 50. but it's it's a calculated gamble as well because you've always got to be aware of your angles. You've always got to be aware of where the danger actually is. Right. You can't allow. You can't allow an attacker to move inside where he's he's got a clean sight of goal. You've always got to be defending the inside. You've got to stay goal side of your man, and that was a mistake that undid Kurt really at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident, yeah. pretty confident that Chime wouldn't have made that mistake.
1: But then the problem with what I saw, what, the problem with uh, the new uh, kickoff system, is that it pushes your defenders too deep. And for example, if it was before like if he was defending that with the a i press, they wouldn't have sat so deep to where uh Ustin was able to come to the box and just turn left, right and left right until he got a clear chance. Mm-hmm. But now it's like as long as your open keeps passing forward, they're just gonna have an an open player to pass to till let's say they get a long shot or they get a chance to shoot the ball,
2: yeah, I think that's an interesting point that like sometimes deep defending does have that impact and it does seem like from kickoff um, the defences are a little bit too deep but if you look at all those clips right so one thing that was complained about was the long shot goal he doesn't press the guy tight enough like that's, that's kind of basic it's a free kick everyone lays off and takes a long shot or does the player run so that was clear the one we've just been talking about I think personally the reason why one of the reasons why he gets done on that is because he's he's moving She's the guy's
0: moving the mouse has broken, just run across the living room <laughs>
2: <laughs> a,
1: ma-
0: a mouse is Whoa, Jesus! Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> it's yeah, out. whoa. Yeah. Um, just give me a second, guys. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he,
2: needs to, he needs to get the chickens on it.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say the chicken. Eats, <laughs> can he convince the chickens to eat the most? This is this is top quality extra <laughs> content. <laughs>
2: Well, uh,
0: <laughs> just a mouse appeared from nowhere and just ran across the, uh, the living room floor.
2: He was looking for some tactical insight.
0: <laughs> well, maybe, uh, yeah.
2: 99 pace, mouse SBC confirmed. <laughs> um, but as you're, um, you've got a guest, we probably get your thoughts now. How would you sort of close it out from a tactical perspective?
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, I think, I think there are a lot of moot points here that, that could be argued one way or the other. Um, mm. For me, the bottom line from a, from a kind of coaching perspective is that you just... He, he, <laughs> He pretty much followed every movement. He he tried to mirror what what um, FIFA Austin was doing, mm. and that really is a mistake in itself because you don't. It's fine to give up the outside from that position, but you yeah, can't yeah. give up the inside. Mm. And every time he moved out with the player, he he was risking him getting inside and getting that shot off, which he did in the end, and he paid for it.
2: Yeah, nothing to
0: do with the kickoff glitch, in my opinion.
2: No, no, I think that is a good point. In that the I don't know how much that was to do with the kickoff glitch. I mean, Jimay was saying that the defense was quite deep. Um, But I I guess what I want to get at is, you know, are we all in agreement that actually the goals we're seeing are more defensive errors than anything else? And it's a shame that a player loses because of basically four defensive errors. But I mean, these are the stakes at this level, surely. Uh,
1: One thing I think is that if he had been more aggressive, he could have also conceded a long shot, especially with the amount of players they have available to them at the competition. Like, you're going to get punished whether you're aggressive or too passive. So, the game just lets any amount of goal go in. Like, if I if I was the one defending, I would have rushed the player and my player would have probably taken a misstep. And Ustin could have taken a long shot and that could have been a goal. So, there's no really perfect way to defend this year. That's like... That's isn't why that the same
2: of, isn't that the same of real FIFA, uh, real football though I mean that... you know, there's no perfect way of defending a player can step around you or they can take a shot from distance it's kind of the same yeah uh, but, I don't know but, dilemma like I feel
0: I feel bad for FIFA Austin here because he scored a great goal and everybody's talking about Kurt and and going to the fact of Kurt's walk off and everything Kurt walked off as if to. As if to suggest that he'd been cheated, as if, as if this guy had done something that he shouldn't be doing. And he was just left there sitting like a, like a dummy. And it just, it, it just wasn't good. No, I, no, it didn't sit well with me at all.
2: So let's move on then to, to actually that point. Is, that like, is this the right thing to do? I mean, for Economist, you're a, a man with a successful, a successful uh, social media profile. Do you think that that's something that goes down? I mean, it seems to have gone down well on social media is kind of what I'm saying. There's a lot of support for what he's done. But is that really what you should be doing in a, as a pro player, you know, representing an uh, organization?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, so the short answer for me is, is no, probably not. Um, I mean, just in terms of like just thinking about his own personal brand, um, you know, to me, you know, especially as someone if he's trying to pursue like long term. And this really isn't getting into the, like, you know, the, how it looks for for EA and all that, but just for him personally, I mean, that's just not a great look for him in terms of like if he's trying to set himself up with sponsors or really just set himself up with like a reputation in the community. I to me, that just kind of labels him as as a as a hothead. Maybe he's done it out of protest. Maybe he's done it out of um, you know, in some way, uh, he's he's trying to sort of push an agenda of. Um, you know, asking for change in in you know in EA and, and the way that the game is, is developed and maybe some of the RNG aspects of it, um, and you know, I think there's uh, there's much more elegant ways to do that if, it, if that's what he's doing. It kind of seems to be you know maybe uh, the the you know looking at some of his messages and tweets in, in you know sort of the aftermath. Maybe that's kind of what he was sort of trying to brand it as what he was trying to do um i'm not sure if that's maybe how it came off on air it was really awkward (laughs) obviously i mean you you know you said he left the other players kind of sitting there um and i think that's a really tough look for for him i think it's a tough look for ea i mean just how, how public that was i mean there wasn't to be honest there wasn't all that many viewers watching uh without the um you know the incentive of the some of the live rewards that they've had in the past but you know, it's, still, it's still not a great look, uh, for, I think, for him, and then for um, you know, him as a personal brand as well. In
0: terms of viewership, it, it was actually broadcast live on Sky Sports 2 in the UK as well, though, which is one of the main sports channels here, so it's difficult to gauge how many people are actually watching.
2: And it, it's actually quite fascinating yeah. um, because... There was no significant increase in viewership at that point. You know, people didn't tune in because they heard about this going on. Apparently, but it certainly has got people talking yeah. about it. Um, I don't know whether there's that any publicity is good publicity kind of shtick, yeah. but I, yeah. I'm not sure about that. Um, I think it doesn't look great to have someone so vocal about the game not being good. Either way, um, as, as that is ultimately what they're trying to kind of sell. But yeah. I think there is a, a kind of he's a controversial character, and maybe FIFA needs more of those people. <laughs> pro, the pro scene may benefit from having characters who are a bit, who are more vocal, willing to kind of st- step out of line mm. slightly to create a bit more controversy. I mean, you know, there have been plenty of footballing characters who've had great success, uh, partly off the back of that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's an interesting idea. It'll be interesting to see whether there's any kind of retribution. Would that be the right word um, for me?
3: Sort of on that note, I mean, one thing that they try to do, and I, 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 as you talk about it, Ben, I, I sort of agree with it more, that, you know, creating controversies like that is, is probably good for the game in terms of viewership. Um, you know, one thing that they they try to do, and this is clear in the stories that they try and tell in their commentary, you know, they, they try to make stories, mm-hmm. right? Like with the DH text, for example, they constantly talked about how young he was. Or, you know, they they try and pit nations against each other. They try and pit regions against each other. They try and pit consoles against each other. And it's all just to try and create some sort of controversy to make the game interesting to watch. Because really, as as a spectacle, I'm not sure that FIFA is is the most entertaining um, esport to watch. Um, and, I mean, certainly, it's it's not a boring thing to watch, but the gameplay, you know, especially at this point in the year, can get a little bit repet- like repetitive. So it really is all about yeah, the storylines. Yeah. And you know, as you say, something like you know something like this, where you have a controversial player, you know, that someone's gonna, people are going to want to tune in to follow to see you know, what he gets up to this time, could be a good thing for it in terms mm. of viewership.
2: Yeah, that's true. Jimmy, where do you stand on kind of Kurt's? Uh, do you think he should receive some kind of ban from EA for trying to quit out essentially? <laughs>
1: I don't think so. Another thing I did hear from... I heard it from a pro, but I don't think it was at the event, was that there was match-fixing going on at the Club World Cup. Which is, I mean, I wasn't there, so I, I, I can't really say, but like... Apparently, oh, match-fixing, did you say? Yeah, yeah. And I think that was one of the things Kurt was, I guess, protesting against. A team, I heard... That's, that's what I heard. A team came together to make sure that uh, unilad didn't go through or something like that and like stuff like yeah so
2: two teams played each other in the final game of the group stage and if one of the teams had beaten the other team then unilad would have gone through and that team had already qualified so they should have been trying their best to beat the other team but it seemed like they weren't trying their best so yeah although i don't know but isn't that more a a professional team should be Professional about <laughs> about the way they approach games. I mean, yeah, question
0: of ethics within the professional teams, that isn't it really? They should know better. He would argue. I would. I would think in terms yeah. of sportsmanship.
2: And that's my kind of question. Is like you know, someone like spencer who tweeted, sort of, I guess, saying that Kurt was wrong to do what he did because um, you know, loads of people do a huge amount of work to make sure the events happen. You know, it's kind of throwing it in their faces. But also, as a professional sports person, you have kind of a duty of professionalism. You know, if a referee had made a, an accidental mistake on a football pitch somewhere or a strange decision happened because of VAR being introduced or something like that, the team wouldn't walk off the pitch and refuse to play. That that would be considered pretty unprofessional and they'd get fines etc. So I've, I don't know, I feel like he, he personally he took a step too far, it's fine to trying to talk about it with EA, put it out on Twitter if they're not listening etc etc but kind of what he did was essentially bringing the game into disrepute which people are quite happy to do because there were lots of problems with the game, but at the same time, I'm not sure whether this was quite the right thing to do.
1: My question is: if he didn't do that, would anyone have talked about the event? Yeah, I mean, possibly not.
0: It's a shame that it's a shame that we're not talking about a great win by FIFA Austin. That's who I really. feel. I don't know if
2: a great win. But... It's
0: a shame that we're talking about all the negative aspects of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a shame we're not talking about a great win for Kurt because it could have been if he'd had his head in the right place. <laughs> Arguably so, and and you know, it's, it's a point I'll make about we've made a before about the podcast having coaches, having someone there, you know, who's who genuinely like can focus you or, or can make a difference to your game. I think it's huge. Some of these, I don't think you did have the mental capacity to deal with what went on in that game, and so call me Kurt Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Steve, Steve's here for you if you know. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we're kind of completely speculating about the whole situation. Obviously, we weren't there. And I don't know what it's like to be in that situation, of course. Chime probably has more of an idea. When you did your regional qualifying, did you have anything like this come up? Any kind of real problems with yeah?
1: Uh, um, No, not really. I just, it was more my fault for playing bad. But, like, one thing I hope they fix is long shots. Because I remember regionals. I was playing uh, Diddy Chris Little and it was a really tough match. I got the first goal and straight out of kickoff he passes to Team of the Year Suarez, boots a long shot and that's a goal. And it's like why why should I work forty five minutes for a goal if you're just gonna come back two minutes later and just take a long shot and that's a goal? Like that's that's not fair in players who have practiced attacking, defending, practiced to get good only to come and concede to a kickoff goal or a long shot.
2: What is the way to fix? Yeah, because I was going to say, isn't that part of the game?
3: Isn't that part of football? Yeah, I mean, in in like the only thing I could think of, I mean, that could fix that. Like, I I don't would be to make the game longer so that there is more that that, so that the RNG aspects just Mm -hmm. kind of go away. And I and I guess that's sort of why you know they have you know forty games in weekend league, such a you know outrageously high number that you have to put in you know. 10-15 10 15 hours of gameplay is so that you know the RNG aspects of that sort of get leveled out over the course of those 40 games. You know, in in a game where you know 15 minutes there it's it's so easy that you could just turn around and take like a pop shot with you know a team of the season sun or something ran, random like that or like a Lozano and he could literally just put it in from like anywhere like a ridiculous angle to negate the work that you've done for 35 plus minutes and a half. It's, it's, I, I completely agree. It's outrageously frustrating, but it's, it's, it's part of the game. and I don't know how you would fix that otherwise. Taking, other than maybe,
0: sorry, taking that point and kind of expanding on it slightly. Is it, is it fair to say that FIFA kind of it stands alone in the gaming, the gaming landscape in terms of? Are there any other competitive games where you can sort of have aim assistance, where you can just vaguely point in the direction of the goal and shoot, and it's going to go somewhere near? You know, in terms of increasing the skill gap, isn't that something that should be looked at?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really buy into the whole kind of like, there's no skill gap, because otherwise, you know, there's lots of things to demonstrate that isn't the case, actually. But your point about assistance, yeah, the game's heavily assisted. We had a guy who emailed us saying, I play on manual, and I've played other players who play on manual, and it's the best FIFA you'll ever play, because... Ultimately, most things that happen are your fault. Like, you, you can't blame anyone else. Um, and that kind of... If anyone's played Rocket League, for example, a much less frustrating game, I think, because everything is so down to kind of the pure physics.
3: If you're really bad at it. <laughs> yeah. It's still quite frustrating. But good, good. your point holds. I'm not going to be <laughs> I think it's going to be a really interesting next couple of years to see which direction EA takes it. Because I think at, Steve brings up a great point about, you know, you know, taking away some of the assisted parts of the game, and to, to sort of increase the skill mm. gap, if you will, and that could be a way around you know some of this RNG stuff. You know, not, and not have to do some of the. My suggestion, for example, which would be just to make the game longer to try and you know negate mm. some of that. Because um, I think EA is going to have to make a decision whether or not they want to pursue you know FIFA as an esports. They want to pursue it as like a, you know a regular mass market game, and I think just. A, you know just based on you know how we've seen it progress so far, it's going to stay a mass market game for a while.
2: Yeah, yeah. Financially, it makes no sense to do anything else. Yeah.
3: yeah, exactly. And I I just wonder if maybe we'll see some sort of, um, I don't know, maybe some sort of you know how even now you can you can tell a notable difference between gameplay between something like fut draft and, um, you know, if, uh, weekend league. There's an even more big difference uh, between seasons like online seasons. Um, when you're not playing with Ultimate Team and regular Ultimate Team, uh, and I think that's mainly down to I don't think there's anything just uh, in terms of gameplay that's different. I think we've been told that it's just down to chemistry boost. Um, but I, I would I would just wonder if maybe EA is going to release uh, a mode which is much more uh, you know heavily based on manual controls uh, that's specifically for competitive play and, and maybe some keep some sort of mm. casual mode. Um, like yeah, I,
2: I think personally that would be probably you know, the best way to do it in terms of not affecting people because I think what you've got to remember and TMA's point about long shots is is very valid as we were saying but if I wasn't kind of banging in long shots with my Ronaldinho I'd be pretty disappointed with the game to be honest right. like, I'd, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd find that quite frustrating that you know you couldn't score the wonder goals like I can't do a rainbow flick volley that's part of the fun of the game like I, I play it for fun I play it partly to score fun goals like I there's a lot of people who do that and a lot of people who are far more basic level players than I am who really enjoy that aspect of the game much mm. more than anything else like scoring a good goal maybe being some players but it's, it's partly about the fun um, and reduction in randomness would basically mean players like Musa. It's, it sounds great to us but just wouldn't be able to score great goals and The the best way to do that, as you were saying, is to create a competitive mode within the game, much more manual, uh, much less RNG, and um, essentially when you play Foot Champs, you'd be using that kind of gameplay, and the rest of the time you wouldn't, would be the Hmm. bottom line. The only thing is I'd kind of like dedicated servers for other things other than just that, because the quality of (laughs) gameplay in Foot Champs, for me at least, is unbelievably improved because of the servers over Foot foot Draft and uh, seasons in Foot as well, so yeah i' uh, Chime, what what your thoughts on that would you would you advocate like a different mode
1: um one problem I have with that is I remember i think fiFA sixteen fifteen where you could adjust whether you wanted your passing assistance on or off you have to have it off i think well before it was on or off now it's just it's not there before you you have to had it you have to have it on or off and online you would have it um off. And then for me, when I was playing, like let's say, friends who play casually, they would have it um, on, and then it would make it a lot harder to defend their passes. Meanwhile, I'm trying to pass manually, and then it's messing me over. But what I'm trying to say is, if you have that, and let's say someone like me or Diddy or other pro players who want to just focus on foot champions who would have to play on manual, if we played on manual and then came to online seasons and played against full auto, like we would probably get wrecked, I think.
2: So you'd need like a different practice mode as well almost. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that would be sort of
1: Yeah, that would be a lot to handle. One thing I think can fix long shots is if they made it as inconsistent as free kicks, if that makes sense.
2: Mm-hmm. And then all. I guess you're getting back to that point that I was making that then I used to score a couple of wonder free kicks you know, at least like five to ten every year. And this year it's been like two or three. (laughs) So, you know, you you end up getting into that territory when um, people like me, who for some reason would rather score a nice goal than win, don't enjoy the game nearly so much um, as others. But, you know, maybe that's part and parcel of of the move that EA take. But to be honest, considering their numbers, the way their um, financial model works, I just, I probably know more about this than me, for but I can't see it happening that they would change the game so drastically to suit um, competitive FIFA.
3: Yeah, at least not yet. I mean, at the at the stage of of growth that it's mm. at right now, Yeah. Um, I think it would honestly be you know throwing a bucket of water on the fire if 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 anything if they really pushed mm-hmm. it and you know, created a, a gap between the general sort of regular player, casual foot player, and then the, you know, super high level skilled pros because it would it would feel like when you're you know, for a player like myself, for example, I'm a decent player, but if I if I went into a game and I matched up against a top one hundred player and I got just absolutely worked and because I was playing on manual and I just couldn't keep up with this guy um, and I got beat like eight zero. I would, I'd be done mm-hmm. for the day. <laughs> that just wouldn't be fun. I mean, it's it's one thing to it's it's one thing to lose and and you know have some sort of like ah oh, well I just got beat because a kickoff glitch or that guy has like R nine and whatever. But it's another thing to get absolutely completely handled. Um, and you know dealing with that mentally, and then you know, is 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 tough, especially you know, when when you are when you when you really can't blame the game. And you really just well, yeah, I just got completely outplayed. It's really frustrating, especially with it when it's like when it's such a personal uh, video game because it's, it's yeah, one yeah that's one. a pretty good point. Yeah. Uh, and it's one v one for a long time. Um, so I, I really do think it, it becomes such a personal uh, sort of affair. Um, and which can make it I uh, do think that would be one of the difficulties is like how do you bridge the gap between someone
2: going like into the pro mode from playing regularly and if you yeah. want to dip between the two it would be very difficult as Chime was pointing out in terms of sort of switching between manual etc but it would be interesting whether they can find more of a balance maybe but it is something that we're going to have to kind of wait and see as always if you've got any kind of uh, suggestions i suppose on this um insights just get in touch footweekly uh, at mail.com or tweet us at footweeklypod right so i think we've probably talked enough about uh the pro scene uh, there are many of you who may not actually be interested in this at all in which case you've had a really interesting half an hour so we'll move into talking about a bit of tactics but definitely lots about the market as we've got jamie back this week so let's uh, move on to a nice foot weekly break and we'll be back in just a second Well, that was a long first half of the podcast, so why not reward yourself by leaving us a review wherever you get your podcast? And also, if you don't already subscribe, please do, and you can do that if you're listening on Foothead through the links just below where the podcast is embedded, or just search Foot Weekly on your podcast provider of choice. well welcome back to the second half of the foot weekly podcast at week 35 um it's chime's first foot weekly break now, how did you how did you find that as a as a break overall
1: oh it's pretty nice it gives us a chance to you know what we can.
2: well Jimmy, i think that's probably enough because uh, we don't want to reveal too much about the foot weekly break it's quite a quite a closely guarded <laughs> secret <laughs> right let's move on to the market as i was saying um for economists it is a really quite crucial time um, at the moment uh, going into World Cup people have kind of I think started to realise this there was a, a tweet from Panthers alerting people to the fact that uh, a lot of Clubs
3: could basically lose value. Um. Uh, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, what, where we're at right now is we have essentially one more weekend left until the World Cup mode drops on the 29th of May. And there's a couple things that are going to happen, and, and there's a couple things at play that are going to you know make the market move pretty significantly. And it's already, you know, the anticipation of that is what's making the market move as we're talking about it right now. Um, the, the main thing is people know, and it's already been confirmed by some of the guys at EA via Twitter, uh, the EA devs, um, that... You're going to be able to use coins that you have amassed on regular FUT to open up packs and get yourself started on um, the World Cup mode. So you're going to be able to use, say you have, for example, 1 million coins on, on FUT, you're going to be able to use that in World Cup mode to open up packs to get yourself started in the World Cup mode. Um, and what that's going to do, I mean, essentially, I think we're going to see sort of a mass migration of players away from regular FUT to this World Cup mode. And I think people are going to want to open up a bunch of packs to get their team stacked and ready to go on World Cup mode. And what they're going to do in order to fund that, they're going to try and sell all of the big dime players, sort of liquidate their clubs in order to fund those pack openings. Um, I think what a lot of people have been talking about and what we're already starting to see is after this most, week, most recent week in is a lot of people are starting to sell up their clubs, uh, some of the big-name players, a lot of team-of-season cards, team-of-the-year cards, high-end informs, expensive golds, uh, icons. Uh, really, I mean, any, anything you can think of that isn't an SBC requirement right now um, for some of those team-of-season SBCs is, is taking a hit. Um, and you know, <laughs> just as a, as a whole, I was looking at it... Um, Someone like uh, Team of the Season's son has dropped uh, just about 18% in the past like 24 hours, uh, which you know, thankfully I'd, I have him as untradeable, so I'm going to keep him in my clubs until the, uh, until the game <laughs> dies, but... Um, yeah, that's that. Those are significant amounts of wealth that, wealth that people are, are losing. Um, a couple of things that are, I think, are going to be interesting going forward in terms of the way the market behaves is, I think there's two main things that are going to happen. I think one, I think people are actually going to overreact a little bit in terms of how you know steep they think the sell is going to be because I do think, especially for super high end players, I do think there's going to be a bit of a buyback because I don't think that EA is going to introduce any sort of mode where you're going to be able to earn massive amounts of Uh, wealth in World Cup mode. And by wealth, I mean, you know, packs, because you're not going to be able to, based on what they had in FIFA 14, there was no, like, mode that they, they introduced where you could earn uh, a lot of packs, uh, unless you were opening up with FIFA points. So if they keep with that sort of same model, the only way they're going to be able to open up a significant amount of packs is one, paying money, or two, earning a lot of money on regular foot and then transferring that over to World Cup mode and doing those pack openings there. So I think people are going to still be interested in Weekend League, uh, just because they're going to want to be able to earn a bunch of coins on, on regular FUTs. So so they can do it on, mm. on World Cup mode. Good point. Yeah. Uh, so I do think there could be a buyback after this sort of like super-duper sell-off um, that I think we're going to see uh, heading into the tw- the May 29th. I think there's going to be a bit of a buyback for really high-end players as people rebuild their team so that they can be competitive mm-hmm. in the league again. I also think it's going to be really interesting because... Uh, people are going to, I think, revert a lot to trading and investing, uh, mainly mainly trading, not really investing, short term stuff, because people are going to again, they want to make coins so they can build up their World Cup squads. Um, and I think what's going to be really interesting is when they, when EA, if they continue, and, and, and there's questions about whether or not they'll push promotions like uh, you know footies or end of era cards and stuff like that, because they might not want to draw away attention from that World Cup mode. Uh, but if they do drop those SBCs again, uh, most of the time those those SBCs are untradeable players, and I just I question whether or not people are going to be all that interested in them, in them, other than you know trying to make coins off of them. So if if it's if it's only a, a buyer's market because those buyers are looking to sell those cards later, I think it could get really interesting. It's going to be a sort of unprecedented market dynamics because it's only going to be a short-term, sort of like. Inflated demand. It's, it's basically going to be all about selling into hype, which, which is you know it's something that you're supposed to do mm-hmm. anyway. But it's going to be sort of like a uh, you know a poster child example of uh, of, of that of um, if we have those SBCs that they do drop like they mm-hmm. did last year. Right. And I think the uh, other thing that's
2: kind of interesting around that is when we go into World Cup mode. I think a few people have forgotten, which I, I quite enjoyed last uh, last year, four years ago, was that you get like a player after every single game you play, which really increases right. the grind. So although I agree that a lot of people are going to be looking to transfer wealth basically into the mode, there is that kind of incentive to keep grinding the game in a way that maybe you don't quite have mm. within Ultimate Team at the moment. So yeah, you, you do get that kind of player after each game, which is kind of fun. But one thing that I know a lot of people right. have asked around this is, yes, you know, you might not be able to buy the biggest player with your kind of coins because there's no transfer market. But with Mm. the new SBC system that they're planning to introduce, I mean, the packs are in the code, aren't they? Could we see sort of ways of guaranteeing yourself a good player at least?
3: Yeah, I mean, so for those that haven't seen it, there's a bunch of packs in the code uh, that clearly have to do with World Cup mode. Um, You know, there could be a pack, for example. I think one that I'm trying to remember off the top of my head gives you a guaranteed player from a specific region. um, Yeah. And I would imagine those those sort of packs are going to be available through some sort of SBC. Uh, maybe if you get like a you know they they said that there's going to be some sort of system in line where you could trade in the duplicates. Uh, those that played it in FIFA 14 will remember the absolute agony of packing a duplicate player because there's abs- there nothing you, you can do with it. Um, you know, I saw a couple people <laughs> when it was confirmed that, that there was going to be something to do with your duplicates that were rejoicing and <laughs> uh, <you> know <laughs> digging up old uh, screenshots of them packing duplicate Ronaldo's and, and the like. So uh, you know, to your point, Ben, you know, there is going to be something to do with those SBC players and it is going to you know, sort of you know, encourage the grind. So maybe uh, the actual dip itself isn't going to be as, you know, as drastic as, as maybe you know, one might have thought. Um, but I guess, I mean, in sort of pivoting, I think there's a couple ways that we can sort of prepare for this right now if, if you are looking to, you know, boost up your, your coin totals, if you will. Um, investing in sort of the uh, discard uh, special cards right now. Um, there's a lot of really, really cheap special cards, Man of the Match cards, uh, Informs. You know, I saw, you know, someone like An 84 man of the match card was going for like 11k or something like that, something like crazy stuff like that that you would never see. You know, leading into a period like this in in a previous. Uh, it, you know, like last year, for example, with you know people knowing that you know, these big SBCs are up coming around the corner, you um, it really it's just like this foot the World Cup mode hype that is is sort of making people blind to stuff to investments like that and the potential for them. Also, I think uh, with the World Cup mode, uh, or sorry, the Ultimate Team the season uh, right around the corner, I think the requirements for that SBC, if they well they are going to drop a guaranteed uh, Team the season Ultimate Ultimate Team the season SBC, I think the requirements for that are going to be higher rated golds, um, and I don't think they've gotten enough attention recently. Uh, just because of the requirements that, that we've had so far, the eighty-three and eighty-four rated requirements. So I think the likes of the eighty-fives and eighty-sixes are still uh, trading at a relative discount to what they should be going for. So that's more of a near-term thing.
2: And I guess high-rated team of the season uh, cards as well would be helpful right. Exactly. Yep. Yep.
3: Some of the higher-rated wrestler world team of the season uh, cards. You know, that, the ones that you're probably going to be seeing is coming uh, Wednesday when we have the drop of the uh, you know some of the other players as well. Uh, it's a good look. And also, I mean, w- mm. if they, if Groundhog Day happens again, um, where people list up those, uh, team of season cards for far too cheap when they pack them. I mean, it, it happened three weeks in a row, four weeks in a row, maybe. Um, I, I think it is. Um, people mm. essentially just listed those team of season cards for way too cheap when they packed them out of that SBC, uh, that WrestleWorld World SBC. I mean, it's, it just, just buy them when, you know, people list them up and then just hold until Sunday and you're, you're good as gold. Yeah,
2: definitely. And, um, so that's kind of from a trading perspective, but, we know Steve has an interesting insight in terms of using uh, Liverpool's custom tactics that we may well see in the Champions League final this weekend. So, Steve, what can you tell us about those tactics? I know it's going to come out in a video, so I don't really want to kind of give people too much, but what's the basis of this uh, well, principle? Well, it was
0: kind of born from the fact that we've got so many great cards now in Ultimate Team, um, so many fast players, so many great finishers, and I just really wanted to look at a way of... of utilising them to their maximum potential, if you like. And the play styles that I've recreated in the past, it's always been the more the more attacking teams, the more attractive kinds of football. And with the Champions League final coming up, it just seemed a bit of a no-brainer to uh, to try and construct something around Liverpool. So it's really been about um, maximising the usage of cards like team of the season Lozano or Mane, obviously your Salas, Firminos, and... Uh, just trying to sort of recreate this, this pretty brutal cut and thrust that that Liverpool have going on with the uh, the runners coming all the time and the through balls, the one twos, and uh, just trying to bring that into foot. And I'm quite happy that I've been really successful in it. The video's not quite put together yet. Um, Everything's drawn up, all the custom tactics, player instructions. Um, I've tried it myself in foot champs with great results, um, and I've passed it over to Chimmy, who's also been road testing it. I understand with fairly great success, right, Chimmy?
1: Yeah, I've I, I did. I try to do a full season on Ultimate Team, and I played six games, I believe, and all of them rage quits. It's it's fantastic. It really is
2: nice. And what formation is it's that?
1: Four two three one. Forty-three, one, two, to be precise.
0: Oh,
2: that's what I'm playing at the moment, so I'll definitely have to have a look at that. Uh, I've also recently employed the services of a certain ninety-seven-rated Neymar, mm. who uh, I've only used for a couple of games, but does feel pretty ridiculous. Possibly even actually better than the prime Ronaldo. So wow. he'd, he'd uh, be pretty yeah, effective because really, really you're good.
0: relying on pace a great deal in this, um, not only in terms of attacking but also in terms of. Of, of the press, the Gagan press that Liverpool use, where you're um, you're closing down space quickly in the opponent's half and trying to win the ball back high. So, um, yeah, pace kills definitely at this stage mm. of FIFA.
2: That's quite interesting because uh, I suppose Jimmy is probably quite a good person to use that then because you were just saying that you're quite an aggressive defender, Jimmy, mm. so um, yeah. that probably fits quite well with your style. I have to say I'm just, I mean, I'm... I can be an aggressive defender if I want, but it doesn't make me any better than (laughs) I am when I'm not playing aggressively. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be interesting to try that out. Um, But yeah, and also Neymar has 99 stamina, which I think also probably will help a lot. So I think on that, we're pretty much ready to wrap up. That's a video that you can see on Foot Tactician's channel, which is um, youtube.com, where is it, Slash?
0: Um, I think it's um, if you just search for Steve Stokes or if you search for
1: um, how to play the Liverpool way.
2: And you can also follow Steve on Twitter, Foot Tactician, and you can follow Chime as well. Where can people follow you?
1: Twitter and all social media at Chima CDA
2: and uh, Foot Economist. Um, I, I won't even bother everyone to. He be doesn't need us. any
0: more followers. <laughs> no, Un- unfollowed. unfollow Foot more. Economist.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and on that, don't forget to follow the main man, of course, at Foot Weekly Ben. <laughs>
3: And honestly, a lot of uh, top banter, might I, might I say. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you heard it here first. Jamie says, unfollow him, follow our Foot Weekly Ben. <laughs> it's been a kind of like staggered end of a weekly podcast, um, but interesting nonetheless. Hopefully, Steve, you get that mouse sorted. Chime uh, doesn't get into any fights with Kurt for insulting his defending over the next couple days. Foot Economist loses a lot of followers. Twitter following declines. Yeah. Exactly. That's the main takeaway from That's this like week. unfollow Foot <laughs> <Economist>. <laughs> <laughs> See you all very soon.
3: Bye. 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 <laughs>
0: Entertaining.
2: And listener, if you made it this far and you also found it entertaining, then don't forget to subscribe. You can do that all the usual ways. And if you're listening on Foothead, those ways are just below uh, the embedded podcast. uh, What would you call it? Player, I suppose. And also, this is probably the last podcast before World Cup Mode comes out. So do enjoy it. It is going to be good if you haven't played it before. And don't forget to tweet us at FootWeeklyPod with all of your pulls and all of your interesting insights into the game and what you might like us to discuss on the next podcast.
3: Vote at AAA.com slash insurance
1: and save by bundling auto and home.
0: Sports Social Podcast Network.